So today we will be talking about a battle of wills. This is a time of year uh, where we all are setting new goals for ourselves, new, new plans for our lives, and we need the willpower to do that. But the thing that we have to remember is, are we doing things because of our will or because of the will of our Father in heaven? Now, to get there, we are going to use Jonah as our example. Now, that's a story that many people know. Uh, it's, it's one of those that you learn as a kid, like, oh, yeah, Jonah and the whale. Just like Noah's Ark, you, you've heard the story. But I want to give you some background information about what was going on at the time and tell you how that scripture is relevant to us and our will to follow God. So Jonah is an Israeli Jew, and he's a prophet of the Lord. So he is going around, he's prophesying, and he's doing this during the time of Jeroboam. You know, he's a king, not relevant to the story, but just so you know, he has been, there's not going to be a test after, but he has been prophesying. So he has heard the word of God, and he is spreading that word and being obedient to what he's supposed to say during that reign. They talk about him in other scriptures. He's mentioned in Kings about being a prophet. And then there's other actual non-biblical references that talk about Jonah as a prophet. So he's well-known, and he's in Israel, and God comes to him, and he says, I need you to do something. I need you to go to Nineveh, tell them that they're a wicked people, and that if they don't turn from their ways, I'm going to destroy the entire city. Now, Nineveh is actually part of the Assyrian Empire. It's actually the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Now, to catch you up, the Assyrians are a terrible, terrible group of people. Not just like, oh, yeah, they're worshiping false idols and that's bad, but they're doing some really terrible things to other humans. So they're idolatrous, they're wicked, and they're also Gentiles. And so as a Jew, Jonah wants none of this. So he says, I'm not going to do it. This will be the first time that a prophet of the Lord says no. Now, there have been times where other prophets have said, well, we'll get to that same result, but I'll try to go about it my way. This time, Jonah is given a direction from God, and because of his pride, he says, I'm not going to do that. The Assyrians deserve to be destroyed. They're wicked people. I don't don't want them to live, so I'm not going to do it. Now, he doesn't do it because he's afraid. Just as I said, he's already prophesied before. It's not like this is something new to him. And if you think about where he is in Israel, to go to Nineveh, it's it's about 500 miles away. So that's quite a journey. You think if you're trying to do that on a camel or a horse or a donkey or even trying to walk that far, it's not easy. But what he decides to do instead is go 2,500 miles, five times as far, in the opposite direction. So not only does he not want to do what God wants, it's not because it's, oh, it's a hard journey. He wants to go five times as far away from where he's supposed to go, out of the presence of God in Israel, and as far, he actually goes over to, the, to southern Spain would be where it is now. He goes, if he sailed any further, he would be in open ocean. He's like, I'm out of here. I don't want any part of this. So he goes down to Joppa, which is actually like Tel Aviv, central, uh, right on the Mediterranean Sea. He finds a ship that's going to Tarshish, convenient, and he gets on the boat, and the first thing he does is he goes down to the boat, and he goes to sleep, and off the boat goes, out across the Mediterranean Sea on their 2,500-mile journey to Tarshish. But God has different plans. He says, you don't want to listen to me? Maybe I have to make you listen. 
So he sends a great storm. Some, some scriptures say a squall. So it lets you know this isn't a light rolling storm. This is a huge storm that he sends across. Now, just to help you understand how bad this storm is, the first thing they do in scripture is start to throw their supplies overboard to try and make the ship lighter. They start to jettison stuff off. Now, this is a 2,500-mile journey, and the first thing they do is throw their supplies overboard. So they are obviously not in a good place. So then they decide, you know what? Let's pray to all of our false gods. Let's pray to the God of the sea and the God of the storm and the God of thunder, and let's, let's see if he can help us. And of course, none of that worked. Then they remember, wait, that guy that's down in the bottom of the boat, didn't he tell us that he was running away from God? Like, this is probably his fault. Get him up here. So they go down, they wake up Jonah, and he realizes, yeah, I think this is my fault. Like, I, I'm choosing not to follow the will of God. So you're right, this is my fault. So what I want you to do is you throw me overboard and all your problems will go away. I know they will. So I love this part of scripture. In the King James Version, it says, the Lord prepared a great fish. Now that's key because I want you to know, we always think, oh, it was a whale that swallowed Jonah. That's the story we hear, but we may have no idea what creature God created to swallow Jonah. It says he prepared it specifically for this. I want you guys to know that sometimes when you're struggling, sometimes when you're having issues, God can create something that no one else has ever seen to help you out of your situation, to help you through it and to get you where you need to be. So he prepares it, he's thrown overboard, and the fish swallows Jonah. Now that's going to get us to our text, which is Jonah 2. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Jonah 2, we'll get there in just a second. But this is the point where Jonah says, okay, things aren't going exactly the way I thought they should be. And he realizes that now that he is in the belly of a fish. So let's stand together as we read Jonah 2. This is going to be Jonah's prayer as he's in there. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All of your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple." The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. Let us pray. God, we ask now that as we're here in your house, that you prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, and open us up to hear what you have to say to us today. I thank you that we're all here gathered, God in awe and wonder of what you have for us. And it's in your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So this prayer of Jonah's, it gives us a little bit more insight into who he is because 
the things he's saying here are actually psalms. So not only has he been working for God, but he knows the scriptures. Some of this is directly quoted from other psalms. So he knows what he's supposed to be thinking, what he's supposed to be doing. He's familiar with all of this. But he's still making that choice. And what that's going to bring us to point number one in your notes is that it, we should cry out before you are thrown overboard. That's not what Jonah did. You know, he, he was traveling from northern Israel down to Joppa. He had that whole walk to realize, I, I've been here before. You know, I've, I've done this stuff for God. I've been in this situation. Why am I running away? He had time to find a boat, to put his stuff on the boat, to get on the boat, to go to the bottom of the boat, to take a nap. He was, all those opportunities he had to cry out to God. Even when the storm got bad, when things started to get rough, like they sometimes do in our lives, he waited until he was thrown overboard and was in the sea and, you know, was surrounded by the water. That's when he decided to cry out. But we don't have to wait that long. You know, God doesn't want us to wait. He doesn't want us to have to go through this to get to the point where we call out to him. If we look at what it says in verses 1 and 2, then, once he's overboard, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. That's key there that he says, his God. So, yes, he's in this situation. Yes, he knows that he's not doing things right, but he also knows that that's still his God. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Now, why? Why did he wait so long? What took him so long to do this? It's because he was comfortable with being disobedient to God. I mean, he was so comfortable with his choice to disobey God that the first thing he did was take a nap on the boat. Now, a few years ago, my wife decided that she was going to do this nice outing for all of the, the men in the family. It was for Father's Day. Me, her father, all of her brothers, we were all going to go on a whale-watching tour. And so it was this great idea, and she got us tickets, and we all went, and we were excited. We got there that day, and the lady says, just so you know, the seas are a little rough today. There's two to three-foot waves, which isn't bad. How did I know it wasn't bad? She said, we're still going to run the tour. Something, all right, we can't be in trouble. Like, she wouldn't put us all in danger. So we go out. So the ship leaves, and as we're going out, we go through the bay, and then we hit open water. And when we hit open water, the boat just starts to, just a little bit of a sway, up and down. And I'm on the boat, and I'm like, yeah, this is, oh, boy. And I'm like, I, I'm good. Like, I've been on boats before, you know, I've been on planes, but it's just a little bit of, and everybody's like, look at the horizon. I'm like, yeah, the horizon's doing this. That doesn't help me. So the next thing I do is I beeline it for the public restroom of a boat, great place to be. I hug the toilet, and I spend the next hour solid just vomiting into the toilet. And all I wanted out of this trip was to see a whale shark. That was what I wanted. And I'm there, and I'm, I'm just, all I can think about is try not to throw up. And then I hear somebody, like, oh, look, it's a whale shark. I'm like, oh, it's a whale. Oh. Back to the toilet. So this guy's so comfortable in his disobedience that he's sleeping through a storm where they're jettisoning all their supplies. Like, this storm's so bad, it's like rocking him to sleep. Because he decided that his will was more important than God's will. And he was okay with that. So what did God have to do? You're comfortable? Let me make you uncomfortable. So I'm going to make a little bit of you uncomfortable. I'm going to show a video 
so that you can understand how uncomfortable Jonah was. Now, I will warn you, it's a little bit gross. So if you have a squeamish stomach, close your eyes for the next 20 seconds. I'll let you know when you can watch again. But we're going to watch this video and see just how uncomfortable Jonah got. Yes, I heard somebody. Gross. That is correct. Gross. Now, that's where he was. Maybe we create, you know, it could have been a different creature that God created, but he was inside the stomach of a giant fish. Who knows that sometimes when we're living our lives outside of the will of God, we end up in a gross place. We end up in a disgusting place, a place that God doesn't want us to be. God doesn't want us to be there. That's not where he wanted Jonah to be. But he had to make Jonah uncomfortable so that he could realize, I'm following Jonah's will, not God's will. Amen, that brings us to point two. Disobedience has consequences. Jonah didn't know that. He thought, I can ignore God all I want. I can go my own way and nothing's going to happen. Sometimes we think that. Think, I, you know, I can do whatever I want. I can be whatever I want. It doesn't matter because my actions don't have consequences. God had to put him in a place where he realized, yes, they do. Let's look at what it says in verses 3 through 5. For you cast me into the deep. Right there, right off the bat, Jonah says, you. For God, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. All of your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I will look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deeps surrounded me, weeds were wrapped about my head. The key thing from this verse is where he says, I was driven from your sight. You know, we, we hear a lot about hell and how bad hell is, and it's the torment and the pain and the fire. What the biggest punishment of hell is, is complete separation from the presence of God. And that's where Jonah realizes he is now. He left willingly the presence of God, and he's just now coming to that realization. I am driven from your sight. He's basically saying, I'm in hell now because your presence was once with me. You were communicating with me, prophecies, and you, now I, I'm just running away from that. I'm running towards something else. Why? Because I'm too prideful to care about these other people? That's what I have. If you look at what it says in Micah 7, 8, it says, do not gloat over me, my enemy, for though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. We end up in darkness when we flee from God's presence. You know, sometimes it's, it's addictions. You know, sometimes we find these things that we, we get addicted to. And if you listen to what he's saying there, he talks about being engulfed and being surrounded. The weeds were wrapped around my head. He's not talking about just like, oh, if we turned off the lights right now, it'd be a little dark. He's talking about pitch black which that's all you have outside the will of God is pitch black because Jesus Christ is our light. When you think back to any movie you've ever heard and they're, they're caught in a dark cave, what are they doing? They're always looking for the light and they say, oh, there's the light. Let's follow that. When you're in your dark times, when you're on the edge of, of death and all you have is this darkness surrounding you, that's when you have to turn to the light. And the only light that's gonna help you out is Christ. Sure, 
You could go around the darkness feeling your way out, trying to find your way out, but you know the only thing that's going to get you out is light, and the only light is Jesus Christ. That's going to bring us to our next point, which is point three, that change happens at the root. That's not just the change of our thought process having to get to the root of the problem, but also the root of what Jesus really wants for you in your life. Let's look at what Jonah says here in verses 6 and 7. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. You know, when we look back just a few verses ago, he was talking about, I'm in, I'm in such darkness, but I'll, I'll look back. I'll look back at your temple. That's what he's doing now. He finally realizes that he needs to look towards Christ to figure out what's going on. You know, he still was battling with this, temper, this uh, pride issue of his. Like, he's still trying to figure out that you're not just running from the will of God. You're running because you think you're more important than him. Many years ago, I was having some very serious struggles with temper. And, you know, my, my, this is only, I had two kids at the time, and now I have five. So, like, God was setting me up for, like, be ready, buddy. <laughs> so, you know, I was just, my kids would come in to, to ask me something, or to talk to me about something, and I would just be very short with them. Like, I'd immediately get aggravated at what they said. And I just, I felt like my temper was to get out of, out of control, because they would come in, they weren't asking for anything crazy, but I would just get angry. Like, no, I don't have time for that. And then the same thing was happening with my wife. You know, she would come in and, and tell me, like, oh, this needs to be done. And I'd be like, no, it needs to be done this way. And I'm right, you're wrong. And I would just be immediately, like, aggravated with her and have this temper. So I started to pray. Like, I knew as a Christian, like, that's not right. So I need to pray and fix it. So I started praying, God, help me with my temper. And I'd still struggle. God, I've got this temper issue. Help me fix this temper issue. And I'd still struggle. So then I realized, wait. What is my actual problem? Is it temper? So I started instead to pray to God, like, reveal to me, like, what is it I need to fix? Like, right now I'm trying to fix what I think is right. What do I actually need to fix? And he revealed to me, you know what it is? You don't have any patience for your kids. You need to be patient when they come to you. The same thing when it comes to your wife, like, you're just prideful. You know, she comes in, you think you're right. You, you know better than her, so you're prideful. So when I started to pray for patience with my children, and when I started to pray for a more humble spirit to my wife, that's when things started to get better. Because I stopped looking to fix things that I thought were the issue and turned to God and said, help me see the light to where my actual problem is. Help guide me to where I need to be. Now, the problem is sometimes we wait too long. That's what Jonah did. We look here, it says that his, he says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. Like, why did you wait till your life was ebbing away? You, I tell you what, as soon as God puts me inside the mouth of a fish, I'm going to start changing some things. I'm going to start realizing, like, something's messed up. He waited three days inside that fish until he thought that he was going to die. He says, my life was fainting away, and I remembered God. Really? It took you that long? Like, you've, you've been serving him. You're a prophet of, of God. You just were quoting his scriptures, and it took you that long? Yeah, sometimes it takes us that long. Sometimes we get there. 
But we don't have to. We can remember God prior to that. That's very key. I want you to listen to that. God didn't remember him. It wasn't like he put Jonah in that fish and then was like, oh, that's right, Jonah. No, he was waiting for Jonah to remember him and come back to him. That's what God's waiting for sometimes in our life. He's like, hey, I'm here. You just got to remember me. Let's look at what it says in Hebrews. May God equip you with every good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. That's what God wants for us. He wants to set us up to do what's pleasing to him. We need to remember what it is. Now, this is the tough part, I'm telling you, because in Isaiah, it tells us that our ways aren't his ways. Our thoughts aren't his thoughts. So sometimes we think we're doing the right thing, but we're still only doing what we think's right. We've yet to actually turn and think, am I doing what's pleasing to God? You know, sometimes we, we do stuff and it's, it's still just pleasing to us. You know, we, are, we, are we trying to please our spouse or are we trying to please God? What about this one? Are, are we doing things because you want to please Waters Church or because we want to please Jesus Christ? You know, am I trying to please my small group leader or am I trying to please Jesus Christ? Yes, you need to be in church. Yes, you need to be serving. You need to be, you know, in our parking lot ministry, in our Waters Kids ministry. You need to be doing those things. But are you doing them so that you can be like, I handed out bulletins today? Or are you doing it because you want to be the difference in someone else's life? You want somebody to walk in this door for the first time and see on your face the love of Jesus Christ. Not the love of yourself, the love of the creator of love. That's what we need to get to. The will of God in our lives. That brings us to point four. Obedience comes with action. You know, we're talking about this love. We're talking about trying to do things that are pleasing to God. You know, it, it, Jonah wasn't struggling with it. Sometimes, you know, we're struggling through an addiction, and that's tough. He was struggling through himself because he, he had followed God. He knew God's word, but he was still choosing to look inwardly. Let's see what he says here in verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10. Those who pay regard to vain idols, those who are looking at other things, those who aren't looking to Christ, they forsake their hope of steadfast love, that love that only comes through Christ. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. You know, the, the idols, he, he talks there about how there's these idols that can hold us back from the grace of God. That grace of God being free salvation to anybody who wants it. It says right there, it only comes through the Lord. It's free. Grace is free to everybody. Salvation is free through the gift of God. But sometimes the idol that's in our way, it could be finances, money, pleasure. Sometimes it's just you. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes I get in my own way. And I'm the one that's keeping me from following the will of God because I think, yeah, but if I do it this way, it makes me feel good. And that's what I really want is for me to feel good. You know, and that's what we have to realize. Let's look in James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
You know, yes, I am, I am telling you right now, we need to be going to church. We need to be reading our Bibles. We need to be doing all of those things. You know, but are you really listening and being obedient to the word of God? Not the word that I'm telling you, not the things I'm saying, but the word that God has for you in your life. Are you really seeking it out? You know, I had to realize that when I was struggling through my temper. Was I really struggling through what I thought I was struggling through? Or did I have to seek out God in my life to tell me, hey, just read it. Like, you're just hearing things right now. Obey what I say. Listen to my scriptures and be obedient to them. You know, he goes into singing. He talks about singing a song of thanksgiving. Pastor just preached about that. He just told us the importance of worship and participating in worship. He's doing it from the belly of a fish. He realizes that I need to cry out to God. I need to cry out by, cry, cry out by prayer. I need to cry out by a, a singing, a worshiping tone, but I need to just be thankful for what I have. I need to be thankful that God is even in me right now and helping me to get through this. Now, here's the thing that we have to realize. Sometimes we, we get put out into the right place. The next thing that happens to Jonah is the whale vomits him out onto the shore. So notice there that God didn't just throw him out into the middle of the sea. He could have just said, all right, I'm done with him. He realizes it now. Let's spit him out in the ocean, swim to shore, and be on your way. He takes him right to the place he needs to be. He says, okay, now you're on dry land. Head where I told you to head. So guess what happens? Jonah does. He says, okay, I'm on dry land. You sat me up for the, the right path to go forward. Now all I have to do is stay on that path you gave me. So it's what he does. He heads to Nineveh, and he walks around saying, in 40 days, God is going to destroy your city because you're wicked. So you better stop being wicked. And he keeps preaching it. He goes to the king. The king hears him preaching this and says, wow, maybe we are pretty wicked. Like We're doing some pretty nasty things here. Maybe we should change. And guess what? He was obedient to God. He was obedient to the will of God in his life. And God changed the people of Nineveh. They actually changed their ways and started following God. So he spared them. So you would think, Jonah's been through this whole ordeal. He was running away from God's will and he realized, you know what? I need to get right. I need to fix my pride. I need to get right. But once the city is spared, look what Jonah says in Jonah 4.1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. He was angry at God Right after that, the verse says, I knew you would spare them. I knew you were merciful, and I knew you were going to spare them. So that's why I didn't want to go there in the first place. He still doesn't get it. He still didn't change at the root. His issue is still himself getting in the way. He's not happy with the fact that these people, yeah, they're evil people, but they, they've changed. And now they've come to that relationship with God that you ran away from. He still doesn't realize that. We can't let that be us. We can't get to the point where we're in God's will and then decide like, yeah, but, you know, now I'm not happy. The last thing that I want to say to you today is that we all have free will, but we will only have freedom in his will. That's the best part about being a, a, a human. The best part about being a Christian is that you can make any choice you want. You can follow who you want to follow, listen to who you want to listen, and you do whatever you want. You know, what, why would Jesus 
need to come down to earth and die on the cross for our sins if God could just be like, um, all right, so you can be saved and you and you and you, uh, but that's it. No, we have that choice. We can choose to accept Christ and follow his will for our life. That's the important thing. Now you decide, are you going to do that? Maybe things will be okay. But if you want true freedom, it's only found in the will of God in your life.